Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and specials events and special speakers from around the world. And we are translating to many different languages for listeners outside the country, we're proud to say. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may also call in with your questions and speak with our great guest tonight. Any buzz killers and chatter on the phone will be kicked out, blocked, and I have a copy of your number, and I'm going to call you back and bug you. So let's just play nice. Uh, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, once again, I want to let you know that Marilyn Salas' creation, The Love's Blessing, is this, comes in this little beautiful kit, and it's a spray um, blessing that she has 26 essential oils, and uh, it's a meditation and healing mist, and I've been using it every morning and every night, and I, I use it for my pillows, and it helps me sleep. And it's calming and relaxing, and it's all by Marilyn Salas. You can go to www.lovesblessing.com to order your set or order one. But she's a wonderful lady, and it has a wonderful little jewel on the front of the label. It's just beautiful. So please go get that. And also I want to let you know that for uh, the experiencers, it's all getting heat up for... Uh, a new speaker in April, and also uh, people going to contact in the desert. And you can go find more information at www.cerointernational.com. And let's say uh, we just will go right into uh, introducing our wonderful guest tonight. Our guest tonight is Sean Robbins, author, psychic, Wiccan, and spy. John Robbins is known as psychic and author, and paranormal research has been ranked as one of the top ten psychics in the world. She was a special consultant for the New York City Police Department for murder and the white-collar crime cases, and the U.S. States Navy psychic spying, and numerous leading corporations. I wonder if she means psychic spying as remote viewing. I'm going to ask her about that. She's an expert in the field of mystical, spiritual, and psychic sciences having lectured extensively on these subjects throughout her career. Shauna is one of the first three original psychics in the CIA Stargate program, trained to spy on the Russian government, and her code name was Madame Zodiac. I'm so excited to talk to her, and I'm proud of her, Madame Zodiac. Shauna is the author of four highly successful books, including the newly released hardback book, Wikipedia, by Sterling Publishers, and now in its second printing, as well as Sean Robbins' Prophecies for the End of Time, that's by Avon Publishers, and more prophecies for the upcoming millennium. 
and I found her book on Amazon, of course. Uh, she's the ghostwriter for many of the top Internet astrology sites for both adults and teenagers. And she's a former radio talk show host on WABC Radio in New York City on the Paranormal. And she now lives in New York City. She's an avid collector of rare occult books, board games, tarot, and astrological books dating back to the early 18th century. Currently, Shauna's working on her new book proposal, and to the mystic, a noted, noted bestseller author, Shelley Hagen. And I just was looking up, and I, I found her recent 215 predictions and just appeared in the Examiner newspaper. Sean Robbins' main commission of life is to inspire and empower people to become the best that they can be by using their innate psychic powers. They take charge of their destiny, and that's what I want to do. So at this point, we're going to welcome... Sean Robbins, so welcome, Sean Robbins. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Well, hi there. How is your weather out there? You know, it's beautiful out here. It's ridiculous. It's well, perfect. If you would send your weather to New York City, right, we would be very, very happy. But it's I know. great to be on your show. Well, welcome, Sean. You know, I <laughs> Thank you. I was reading your. Uh, I was reading your bio, and I just had to look at it again and again because you have had quite a life, Sean, and uh, you're a very interesting woman. And uh, I'm really proud and happy to have you on the show tonight. Well, you know, I am just as proud to be on the show with you because I find you just as interesting in what you do. Hi. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, I'm going to have a big smile on my face right now. But anyway, um, now, Sean... Why don't you, for our listeners, just start at the beginning, because we're really interested in uh, finding out where you grew up, you know, what your influences were in your early childhood, and if you had any, you know, experiences then. So do you want to let us know a little bit about your history? Sure. This This is really interesting. I grew up in Brooklyn, and my background is very interesting. My grandfather and grandmother came from Russia, and my other set of grandparents came from Hungary. Both sides of my family were psychic. So my grandfather used to see fairies in the forest in Russia, and my grandmother from Hungary used to tell fortunes. Card reading. The excuse me, the same gift was passed down to my mother, who during the Depression era, when we had no money, had to read palms for a living to support the family. But this is, and I think you'll find this the most important aspect that really what made me psychic. I came from a family that very rarely talked. And in the interim, I had to read not only body language, but nonverbal clues. So as most, you know, families sit at the dinner table talking, my parents didn't. It was more like, you said what? And then they would practically answer each other. Uh, this, this, some people would call this a phenomena, but what I find most interesting today is that when people, let's say in sororities, you know, the, the women, the girls, when they get their periods, they all get it at the same time. When married right. people are married for, let's say, 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years, they could actually pick up what the other person is saying, or if someone has a song in their head, the other person sings it. So I truly believe that my gift is really being able to sense other people's vibrations. 
Now, I don't yes. know if you agree. Ged, let me hear your thoughts. Well, I think that what happens is I had exactly the same kind of uh, childhood, but for a different reason. Uh, my parent, my mother, my dad was a alcoholic, you know, my mother was co-alcoholic. So I had to learn how to read people. I came in the room because there was a lot of violence going on and uh, everything was uh, chaotic, you know, there, from one day to the next. Uh, you know, there wasn't any regular routine or anything else. So I became a good reader just from that, just being stressed out and where's the next thing coming, you know, what's the next incident coming next, you know? Well, there are some yeah, well, that's what makes someone very intuitive. Not to say that you can't develop these abilities later on in life or at any age, you know, or stage in life, but it really helps when, unfortunately, when you come from a background like you did or a background mm-hmm. where I came from that nobody really talked, that you really had to rely, you know, on the nonverbal clues. But this gets us into another area that's interesting when, let's say, uh, and I actually did this, you know, picking juries. I, you know, you know, went through a lawyer, and you've probably heard this. <clears throat> what happened is that, you know, they would bring in jurors, and you have to, as a psychic, pick out who's going to be, you know, pro-defense or, you know, pro-prosecutor. But you're looking for the same nonverbal cues, like, if I said to you, you know, sh- sh- right now I see that you have blue eyes, you know, and um, you're wearing, you know, blonde hair, you might, you know, all of a sudden blink your eye. It would be to the normal person they wouldn't see it. But for an intuitive mm-hmm. person like yourself or me, you we would pick this up, these nonverbal, you know, cues that everybody, give, you know, gives out. Right. And... Yeah, well, I know, and and this has happened to me so many times in my life when, you know, I used to work on murder cases. Uh, It was not the most prettiest sight when you, you know, looked at the photos of dead bodies, but when they showed you, let's say, pictures of who they thought might be involved in the murder, you would pick up, uh, when you look at the photographs, there was something in a person's face you could pick up were they, you know, nice or were they evil? And pretty much I was spot on, you know, in picking out who it would be that, you know, committed the crime. So you would formally actually be in a courtroom and help pick out um, juries? Very quietly just sitting there giving signals, like they do in football, supposedly, or baseball. (laughs) It's called hand signals or... You know, you put your hand to the top of your face and, you know, like your eyebrow and just, like, move, you know, your finger. Those, You know, you absolutely had hand signals. You know, nobody wants to know that a psychic was sitting in the courtroom in those days, but it's true. And actually today they are still using psychics, only this time it's out in the open, more so than ever before. Well, they're calling them, like, people readers and things like that, so... It's, it seems like it's more acceptable and uh, because people, they can be read and you can be trained to read people and things like that, but you have like this innate gift, you know, uh, well, that you, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, what you call a native is curiosity, because I'm both a skeptic and a believer. I mean, I live in the world, real world, but I also have one foot in the unexplained. And there's many incidents in my life where I cannot explain uh, events that have happened to me or things that I predicted. Uh, the real world is easy, because we know the sun sets you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I mean, that's a given since, you know, eons ago, since really the dawn of time. But what cannot be explained is, let's say the man who predicted, you know, in his book, The Sinking of the Titanic. It was a fantasy book, but he actually saw into the future, you know, down to almost the details of the Titanic sinking. Was he psychic? Or was he just very imaginative, as most psychics are? I know, you know what you're ones. talking about. He got it right. He called it the Titan. Yes, it was the Titan. Yeah. And so he was, it's a... yeah, he was spot on in his uh, in his what do you call it? in his writing and his in his imagination. But in many of my earlier books, in fact. Uh, a couple by Hans Holzer. One was, if I remember, called The Prophets Speak. And in that book, now that book was written about 50 years ago, I had predicted, which is fascinating, way before the medical discovery ever happened, uh, about the MRIs, that, you know, magnetic, whatever, resonant, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. the MRIs. I predicted that we would have magnetic imagery around uh, probably 20 years later that would be able to appear inside the human body and, you know, pick up diseases. Lo and behold, it happened. Now, was it because I have an innate curiosity for medicine, or did I know something, you know, more? What did I see that prompted? And like most people, like your listeners today, if they would use their imagination and visualize, well, Actually, it really doesn't take much to visualize about ISIS, you know, in the Middle East, because we all know that that's going to be around for a long time. But, you know, visualize is probably the key to being psychic. What are some of your thoughts? My thoughts you know, on that, that is true that, you know, it's it's strange that you brought up ISIS because, you know, it's on my mind 24 hours a day. I am very, very upset the morning of uh, the morning, this happened two, three, I think two Sundays ago. I do a little Bible study in the morning on the air, and I was praying for the Middle East and the people that uh, Christians are being persecuted. I didn't know that that day the 21 uh, Coptic Christians were going to be beheaded. And uh, it's weird that I was had been praying about it. I was concerned. And then I just set it out in the open, you know, that I was uh, concerned about that. And um, so it was pretty awful. So I actually posted some pictures back on that show of the the 21 guys. And uh, now they uh, some uh, religious artist has painted an icon of them. And I actually even said, you know, because they're martyrs, they, you know, they'll go to heaven and that I pray for their souls, and I pray for, you know, I was saying stuff like that. And then recently, an artist has made an icon of 21 uh, martyrs and getting their crowns from angels from heaven, and it brought me such a comfort to see that icon. So I went back and I posted the icon on that show, too. 
So there's really stuff going on worldwide that people like us, uh, do you consider yourself a remote viewer? Is that what you're doing? Actually, absolutely. Uh, One of the things in, actually the program was called the Stargate Program. And back in the 1970s, there were three psychics, Yuri Geller, Malcolm Balfour, and myself, that were the three original psychics that part, uh, you know, partook in this program. And it was funded, which most people don't know, by the CIA. They were trying to find out, is it possible to enhance the abilities of people that had psychic abilities and to use those abilities to spy on the Russians? Well, lo and behold, it really is true. You can, and this is going to blow your mind, using strobe lights, let's say, you know, if you go in front of a strobe light and it keeps blinking, there's a certain pattern in a strobe light that can put you in an alpha state. And in that alpha state, you are able then to, well, I'm going to say supposedly, but the spirit, you know, your physical spirit leaves the body and is able to travel through time and space to a distant location and accurately describe what you see, you know, as you get there. You know, most people say, well, sometimes at night I feel my, you know, my physical body, you know, leave, you know, leaving. And that's exactly true. You're in an altered state when that happens. And if you can train yourself, either, you know, a blinking light or whatever, you can get into the same state. You don't have to use strobe lights and be able, again, it's called visualize and imagine, imagine, and you'll be able to do it. I make it sound easy because it really is easy. Most people make a hullabaloo out of this saying, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. Uh, the answer is no. You can do this by yourself. And if I could say one thing I could teach all your listeners right now, it's called the red light, green light experiment. It is so easy to do. All you have to do is ask yourself a question like, will I get married? Now visualize a traffic light that has a red light, you know, and a green light. If you see red, the answer is no. If you see green, the answer is yes. And then you ask yourself, will it be one year from now, two years from now? Or is the guy that I'm, you know, dating, you know, will I marry him? And you may see a red light. Uh, That's your subconscious talking to you. So what I'm really saying is that we all have the innate ability to be psychic, and by using the simple, you know, thing that I use, red light, green light, you could actually almost predict your future. Now, that's incredible, but it works. That's amazing, and uh, thank you for giving us that tool because uh, that's a good uh, framework because, you know, a lot of us are untrained. We're just doing it, and uh, you sound like you've had uh, the the expertise to, to actually teach uh, these techniques because it's, it's very important to uh, a lot of people that uh, it may not just be about relationships. It could be uh, focusing on the positive world changes and, what you know, what we should do uh, in our future to protect ourselves and things like that. Now, what I'm interested in is how did you come up with this CIA Stargate program? How did you get in there? And also, well, you had a code named Adam Zodiac. I would have that on a T-shirt. I swear to God, I would. That would be my uh, my uh, uh, award 
You know what I mean? From God, I'd had to sing it on my chest for the rest of my life. <laughs> How did I get in the Stargate program? Someone that mm. I knew knew the people that were involved that had a Paris, uh, some sort of parapsychology institute. And they asked, mm-hmm. without telling me at first I was part of the CIA, was funding it, would I, would I be interested in, you know, going down to Brooklyn, you know, at the laboratory and uh, walking around and, and see, you know, how I feel, you know, about this. And I went into the lab, and it was exciting to me because, you know, I'm looking at machinery like uh, at that time they had, and they still do the end. Uh, can't pronounce it very well, but the one that measures the brain waves, you know, God forbid you're ill or something to see if you're living or dead. And then tube? they had the what? That wavy tube? Um whatever what it is something. The yes, encephalograph. Did we get it? Something no, go ahead. not the Okay. So what happened is that there were also like these booths downstairs and they were, you know, soundproof and lightproof. And part of the experiment was to see if, you know, this was like you went in there for 24 hours and you had a panic and God forbid, you know, you're claustrophobic, which I was, but I still was so curious about it that I stayed the 24 hours. You didn't know night from day. Uh, You didn't have anything to eat. But what they were curious about and how they did the experiment was to see if someone beamed a photograph at you, right, or an image, would you be able, and they kept doing it, you know, the other, you know, person on the other end uh, who was non-psychic was doing this, would you be able to pick up the thoughts of another person or the photograph in this case during this 24-hour period and what they were trying to ascertain was, were you be, uh, could you, uh, how do I say it, like change the thought waves of another person? The answer is yes, it does work. And that brings me off topic to, to show you why it works. When people uh, get a heart transplant, many people, are heart or lung, say, gee, you know, someone, and this is a true story, a uh, man got the, I think it was a heart or a lung transplant, and what happened is that he never drank, and he never had, like, an interest in motorcycles. And all of a sudden, this man, who probably is, I think, around 50 or 55 years old, started to drink beer and, like, go to motorcycle, you know, events. It turned out he was just as curious, you know, as ever to find out, you know, why is this happening to me when I'm a you know, non-drinker, non-smoker, and certainly I don't drive. It turned out that the person who we got the heart or lung transplant was a person who was drunk, riding a motorcycle, and got killed and donated his organs. But there's many stories now where people, you know, take on a living organ of somebody else, also take on the personalities of someone else. So basically, going back to that experiment, that even though this was a bodily organ, one can transmit thoughts to another person. And part of the experiment was in the hopes that we, you know, the Americans and the psychics, us, could, you know, influence the Russian uh, military to, let's say, not make a bomb at that time. And that was the ex- one of the experiments. Well, were you able to, it is fascinating, and I, I totally believe this, and 
I'm actually getting uh, ready to uh, join and uh, train in a remote viewing group when I feel a little better. Uh, but cause I have been uh, sick with just some random illness. But anyway, uh, it's uh, it's so fascinating to me. It's like uh, an unending um, curiosity that I think there's other things going on with it, like quantum physics, like there's more than a meets the eye happening with us when we're doing this, you know, that's uh, quite amazing. I have been told uh, very incredible things. One uh, person, a remote viewer, told me that he had walked into a, well, the one that they made the movie uh, with George Clooney from Men Who Stare at Goats. Mm, that one I didn't that see. Movie? Yes, well, his, it was about a remote viewer, and so I was interviewing him, and uh, he said that uh, he stepped into a laser beam so that he would uh, know what it feels like without having any damage, and he said that it actually gave him a spiritual experience, and he believed in God after that. He, he always had a faith, but uh, this, these are uh, strange things that can happen. And that um, you know, it's a, it's how could you ever get bored in a world like this when there's so much going on? There's so much human capacity for some incredible things. I mean, we're quite incredible as humans, really, and our gifts. That is true. And actually, you just mentioned uh, mentioned something that I find interesting right now. We had talked yeah. about ISIS, the Middle East, but. Yeah. I truly believe that right now we're entering, entering into a period of what I consider to be almost like a spiritual awakening where people, because of what's going on in the world, instead of turning off religion, they're turning to religion. As strange as that may, uh, may sound, but I have seen this in New York City, that more often than not, the churches are welcoming the young people to come in and the young people are coming in because what we're looking for right now is stability or something that gets us in touch that you know we're just not here today and then gone tomorrow that there's more and that even though we're experience you know experiencing what's happening in the middle east that there has to be more uh to the story and hopefully a better end than uh, what the Bible predicted. Well, the Bible predicted, yeah. I'm not good on that, but maybe you could help me out. What actually did the yeah. Bible say? Because we're well, in it now. This is this is the bizarre part of this, is when uh, the, you know, the showcasing these beheadings and the horrible thing, uh, when they they uh, torch that man inside that cage and the, the horrible things that I realized what we're now, I was always wondering, in the Bible, in Revelations written uh, 2,000 years ago, they were talking about the whole world would watch an image of the two witnesses being murdered. And then on the third day, they were going to, they'll be able to rise up and we're all going to watch it in horror. You know what I mean? I don't, I know that we have the capability of watching that now, but what we're seeing is uh, these are all uh, Christians, and uh, they're being persecuted just exactly like it was happening 2,000 years ago. And you notice the Bible does a repetition. What was old is now made new. Uh, and that it's is all, true. You know, you know, it goes in a cycle. And I think when I, when I saw what they did to that poor man in that cage uh, and then the 21 uh, Coptic Christians, I felt that their, their days are numbered. 
I, I just feel they're they are so hideous and they will find them out and they have found out who the the lead uh killer is is actually from Britain trained and is uh, British and we're gonna find out who he is and uh they're already on their way out. You know, but people are joining because I what's happening is instead of this is what happens psychologically is when people are watching a person that seems to have all the power in the world can chop heads, set people on fire, whatever. Sometimes they identify with that person and strength. See what I'm saying? Oh, well, absolutely. Identify, that is true. Yeah, so that's true. They they identify with a perpetrator. You see what I'm saying? So let's go join them because instead of being a victim, I don't, which I don't want to be, let's go identify with a perp. So that goes for child molesting. Or let's say a child is molested as a kid. I'm not saying about all of them, but let's say serial killers that had a horrible childhood. They are identifying with the predator. So they, in turn, are predators. So they have a position of power now. See what well, I'm now so I feel that they're the same way out there. That is true. But now comes the point, and see, now I can get to the psychic point. We're in this, obviously, uh you know, era right now of when this is happening. Probably my instincts tell me that uh, this is not going to be over till about two to three years from now. And, uh-huh. yeah, of course, there's going to be more terrorist bombs in, you know, L.A., New York, uh, a mall or whatever. And, but not saying it's ISIS. It could be a lone person, whatever. But this brings me to the next point. If all this is going on, right, and if you be, you know believe that there is some higher force or whatever, and we have to go through this cycle, that again brings up the fact that you know is there more to life than just living? Is there another life? Is there re- you know do we reincarnate? Meaning is just is this just an earthly cycle of war and hell? And then you know maybe in twenty years from now we're going to find peace. But to me there has to be something far greater than just us, you know, being here, you know, after whatever, 100 years or 80 years, and then popping off, so to speak, and never coming back. I don't believe that. I believe there's more. Yeah, there's more. And, you know, it's it always ends up being for the greater good and for our understanding. I don't know why the worst things in the world happen, and this just hit me uh the it hit me so hard, you know. Uh, a lot of things have upset me, of course, over the world because I've seen, uh, you know, through dreams and stuff like that, things happening all over the world, you know, for since I was a little kid. So it's not like I'm detached from any kind of world activity. At some point, I did ask God to give me a break, you know, because it's pretty hard watching all this. But this hit me hard because I'm real aware of this hatred. Uh, toward the different sex and that uh, people are now showboating. You know, it's offensive to me I'm, on many levels. Just totally, I'm totally offended, let's put it that way, that they're showboating these murders. Well, I agree with you with that. But then I was also saying to myself, and this is important, if I was a time traveler and I went back to the Roman times and saw what was going on, uh, would I, you know, you know be you know, revolted by what I see, or would I be disassociated after a while? You know, what happens when we had the first beheading, it was like, oh, my God. You had the second or third beheading, it wasn't as, uh, 
as awesome, you know, or awful, so to speak, as the first one. Okay, now they unfortunately leave the poor guy who got burned, you know, in the cage. At first, it was the worst thing imaginable, and it was. Uh, but then they had the, uh, well, someone else, I think, a few more after that, that didn't really get national news. But after a while, what's happening is you become desensitized to these events. Yeah. And that's the sad part, but the good yeah. but the good part is even though we're starting to get desensitized, there was I think it was in Norway when they had the Muslim uh, people where they finally did something around a synagogue. I think they did a circle of peace around this one synagogue to say, "Oh, I love hey, that." Yeah, because we're standing up. So when I was saying to you earlier in the program about a spiritual awakening, it's happening, but not on the large scale that, you know, you think, but it's starting to happen now. And that's why I predict in 20 years there will absolutely be world peace, and that in two to three years, you know, ISIS will be totally wiped out. Unfortunately, uh, you know, to rebuild all these towns and everything, and this is something uh-huh. that when I'm talking to you, I'm visualizing and seeing in front of me. Yes, and oh that's my. part of uh, psychic. Yeah. But if you can do that, and if you're, like, you know, tuned into what I'm seeing and you're seeing the same thing, then the people who are listening tonight are basically going with us with what either a dream that we're having or a visualization. It doesn't matter. But they're tuning into us. They're seeing the same thing. And at the same time, they're utilizing their innate psychic abilities to be able to see and do this with us. Right. That was a psychic then, experience. Exactly. It is a psychic experience. And then also, it's a spiritual experience because we send our hope and our love to all those families and everybody impacted and worldwide. And, you know, it's very traumatizing to see our fellow human. You know, and what you're what you're saying too is that is these getting desensitized so much so that they're color coordinating things now. People are in orange, other ones are in black. Every other one, the whole thing was color coordinated. You know what I mean? So it's no, uh, yeah, I know. And, and creative and, and, and diabolical. You know, really. But I know you may not have seen this, but I saw this on the internet. When ISIS said that we're coming to Rome and we're going to throw uh, people off the Leaning Tower, you know, Pisa, but they got, you know, unfortunately it wasn't in Rome. Uh, It was another town. So some cartoonist drew a picture, and this is an important statement, of Roman gladiators from the old times. And they said, and this is the army that will defeat ISIS. It was humor. But what that humor did was diffuse a very scary situation of thinking that ISIS might come. My instinct tells me, and I know that it sounds incongruous, but it's true, humor, like the you know, the cartoonist did, you know, showing the Roman gladiators from the ancient times and then, you know, one of Charlton I think it was Charlton Heston or one of them dressed up uh uh in a, you know, gladiator uniform, is that if we make ISIS less scary, we would be able to deal with them better, uh, and people would easily not be afraid and stand up against them, the Muslim right. community. But through humor, through the cartoons, going the opposite, not, you know, 
vilifying their prophet, nothing to do with that, just showing, you know, pictures that we're not afraid. Yes, and uh, you're absolutely right, because to me, when the laughter comes, the healing starts, you know, and when we can laugh at ourselves, and some of it is macabre, uh, like let's say people in recovery are constantly going into the rooms and laughing at themselves, and uh, people outside are thinking, what the hell are they laughing at? You know what I mean? You crash in the car into the house and blah 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 and this and that and but you know it's uh, it's a healing thing. So you know uh, we will continue to pray for them and uh, things will transpire as they will. And I hope there is an end soon. And uh, you know I want to thank you for that. You know all that we're talking about it because I really needed to vent. I'm glad that you were here to talk about it. I'm glad you brought oh, I, it up. I'm, really. I'm a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm a wonderful <laughs> listener. I I actually, and now let me, now I know you're going to turn white for a second. Now what? As you're talking, I am listening to you. See, I'm also listening to your inflections in your tone of speech. See, this is how a psychic actually works. So oh, I know when your voice goes up a drop or if there as a crack, and that's really what I would love, you know, your listeners to be able to do is to really use their innate abilities, like, you know, we're lis- I'm listening to you, I can sometimes tell, and I'm sure your listeners can, when you're, you know, in a mono type of voice on a subject, but something that really is emotional to you, your voice level, you know, went up like so minutely, I don't think uh, anybody would have on the other side picked it up, but this is how this whole process of ESP works. It's just listening. Yeah, that's right. And, so are you um, going to be silent for the rest of the night, or are you still going to talk? <laughs> I am not saying another dang word, John, just for that. No. <laughs> no, I'm aware of it because, you know, this is uh, what the show is about, and uh, this is why I actually founded this whole thing and started doing it is because what is more interesting than this kind of stuff, which means, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at the mercy of every psychic uh, everywhere. <laughs> they can uh, <laughs> analyze me all they want, and uh, I'm at their mercy. So anyway, so uh, let's, go, let's go back, and I want to thank you for uh, talking about them, because to me it's honoring them. You know, they're, they're martyrs, and it's honoring them by speaking about them and... Uh, I was touched by whoever that artist is that did the, the you know, icons. Uh, in the, I'm Greek Orthodox, so the Greek Church, uh, you know, the icons are sort of our picture to, uh, I don't know, the soul and to spiritual things. So uh, the icon is like a window. So it was showing us, yes, they're in heaven, but look, they got the golden crowns. And I think that kind of helps a few people, especially like me. You know, I totally agree with you. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting, even though we're on the, you know, phone to phone, that mm-hmm. one could feel the energy through the, you know, through the, you know, transmission in the airwaves. I feel it. Yeah. You know, I don't know about yeah. you, but there's a, <clears throat> a higher energy or some sort of, uh, which sometimes we just got on the same level. Yeah, I agree with you totally. And, um, you know, it's, it's true. So, um, okay, so you were in the CIA, and uh, are you still doing any work for them? Or uh, I wanted to tell you, what, uh, what, did, what did you see personally that stood out to you? Now, now say you that one more time. Thing? 
Did you ever see, like with your remote viewing and spying, did you ever see something that really totally shocked you that was off, like off the wall? Let me try to... you... Go ahead. I'm just trying to, you know, go back with remote viewing. Well, okay, if I, uh, in the past when I worked on a murder case, I also, unfortunately, you know, had to put, uh, well, sometimes I would... I went out of, you know, state and I, you know, did some work in other, you know, states around the country. But uh, before, actually, I went on a case, what I would do, because, you know, this, I didn't want to waste anyone's time. So what would happen is I would say, well, you know, here is what this looks like. Here is the house where I perceive the murder had taken place. Does the numbers, let's say one and two, have anything to do without knowing anything about the case? And this is how I've done it all my, you know, you know, life uh, working as a psychic. Uh, is there a road right by there with, let's say, uh, a tree that was hit by lightning? And if this was correct, that would then and only then would I be able, you know, help, you know, the uh, law enforcement by going out to the crime scene itself. But if I was wrong, then I wouldn't do it because I knew that any impressions that I had picked up would be wrong. But that's how I uh, used to work with crime scenes. In terms of, um, yes, there was one incident, which is, you know, yes and no. I was doing some treasure hunting in Greece. But before I went out, what? Oh, really? We need to hear about that, too. Okay. Well, that it's an interesting story. These people had buried uh, the grandfather had buried treasure uh, on the ground, meaning he, you know, he had like money and, and he buried it. And these people asked, "Could I help them find it?" And I said, "Well, again, let me use my powers of remote viewing, and I'll describe, you know, that there, I see, you know, a long like road going up to a house on the hill, and I see a house in the valley." And I was 100% right. And I said during that time period, the Romans used to use that road uh, to walk because Greek also, you know, the, the Romans were also on that island. Everything I said was correct. Then I went to Greece. And at the same time, for some reason, I had a feeling there was a mountain. And those days, they were they were really, for me, easier to climb. It's not like, you know, the mountains we have up here. Anyone could really climb them. They were rocks. I felt, uh, and for whatever reason, that there was something buried underneath this, you know, this mountain. And I had gone up the mountain by myself, and I didn't take water. And this was in the summer, and the Greek sun is hot. And I got angry, and I just stamped on the ground. I said, well, never what I, I won't say what I said, but, you know, because it would be censored. <laughs> and with that, the ground opened, and there was a big hole. So I immediately went down the mountain because I knew I, you know, something obviously I discovered. And it turned out, uh, I think about a month or two later, when they finally went up to examine the hole, this was a burial ground, you know, where they put the bodies of people who lived on the island. But we're going back many, many, you know, centuries ago. Uh, so, and also there were urns, you know, buried in, in this place. But that wasn't remote viewing. That was just for some reason something telling me I should go up on this mountain. But yeah. I do have one story that I'd like to share with you because it has to do with the Bermuda Triangle. 
and I wanted to spell the rumor, you know, that it's something mysterious. Uh, way back then, there were two psychics, Mickey Dane, Paige Bryan, and myself. The National Enquirer wanted to see, and that's the paper I used to give predictions for, did the Bermuda Triangle exist? So they sent the three of us, you know, out on a boat with a reporter, two scuba divers, and this woman called Captain Connie. And we got in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. The uh, bilge pump broke. Okay, uh, it could happen on a boat. And we were bailing water, and Captain Connie said, you know, it's not going to work. I've got to get it fixed, because uh, now we're halfway between Florida and Freeport. So she said, you know, let's stop, you know, let me go back to Freeport, you know, because actually it was faster, and let me get it fixed there. So we spent overnight. The next day, we got back on the boat, and then we were in the middle, and this is when it happened. And, and I'll explain to you the phenomena, what brought down those warplanes. It is true to say, about 30 to 35 years ago, I think it was actually 40 years ago, there was a storm. And the storm cat came out of nowhere. It was so fierce, the storm, that it, the hull of the bo- uh, boat, and at the same time, the some of the Captain Connie's instruments went off, and we thought we would all would drown. My theory about the Bermuda Triangle, or things that, you know, go bump in the night, is an explanation. If you go back 40 years ago, we did not have the radar. When those warplanes were lost over the Bermuda Triangle, it has to do with a storm. And if you go back even for the last 20 years with the great radar that we have, there hasn't been one incident, actually, of anything happening. So the Bermuda Triangle exists but it really has to do with when it happened to me and those pilots and those sinking of the ships. It has to do with that storm that comes out of the blue that had they had the radar to spot it, they, you know, we those people would be alive today. That is my wow. famous story. It is. And that's really uh, incredible that, that you're telling us that solution because you're right, and there's not a lot from the Bermuda Triangle anymore. But then again, I was thinking, Nothing. well, maybe people are avoiding it. But you're right. You know, we have radar, and there is freak storms, and people become disoriented and things like that. Oh, absolutely. And you know, one of the other things, and I know about flying because I used to predict plane crashes, and there, there was a reason how I can do it. And to me, it was very simple. I always believed when there was a full moon. Uh, or a new moon, the gravitational force of the moon, and if there was a structural defect on a plane, would, you know, you know, do something to the plane in midair. Uh, and it's true to say, uh, through my 20-year study, that every time you had, you know, over the years, a full moon or whatever, a new moon, that, you know, some, there was some incident with a plane, whether uh, Air Aloha, there was the Hawaiian Airline during a full moon, the top of the... Uh, uh, wait, not the wing, the top of the uh, plane, you know, actually was sheared off. So there is, you know, for every phenomena like the Malaysian airline that went down almost a year ago, what nobody talks about, it was carrying lithium batteries, more batteries than they were allowed. And for your listeners, in case you didn't know, that if you have a lithium battery and it's leaking, even that one little battery, that tiny little thing, 
can cause disorientation if you sniff it. And also, believe it or not, uh, set up a neurological reaction where you become or could become paralyzed. And so my theory to that airplane was very simple. There was a fire. He went up, you know, as far as he can go because if you go high in the air, it bans, you know, takes out a fire. But the pilots were so disorientated from the lithium, and uh, basically they didn't know what they were doing. For some reason, they got the plane on uh, just, you know, fly wherever you want type of thing. But it was nothing mysterious what happened. It was really from the lithium fumes. You know, but um, I believe, you know, I know. Wow. Nothing mysterious. Um, it just... Well, people kept asking me because there was, remember, there was a lot of crazy theories whether they got abducted, this and that. I went, no, they're at the bottom of the ocean. That's what I said. No, there was a malfunction, and it was they're at the bottom of the ocean, I'm sorry to say. I wish they landed somewhere like everybody else, but, you know, no, they're in the bottom of the ocean. This would be a very hard one to find at this point. Uh, The only thing that they have found is basically... Really, that in that part of the ocean, fish do exist. Uh, unusual fish at that level of the, you know, of a force under the sea. So, unfortunately, I doubt the plane would ever be found. It would just be impossible at this point. And quite right. frankly, I don't think they're actually even looking for it at this point because that requires yeah, so much really money. Yeah, I, I think It'll so too. It'll probably may or may not come up someday, but. Uh, we'll probably discover it. They're still discovering things that have been buried up in uh, the Great Lakes, you know, after 400 years. So those ships are still coming up there. So that's kind of in- incredible that after 400 years we're finding that stuff too. So, you know, these things, uh, uh, I can't tell you the feeling that buried treasure gives me when they discover it or, you know, when they discover these old ships and stuff. It gives me such a feeling of uh, wonderment, you know. Well, there there is a site on the Internet, and I think it's called, and I'm not sure, The Awakening. I think it's on Facebook. I'm not sure. Where they have uh, photographs of, uh, like, uh, let me try to think, was it Lemuria or, or one of these old ancient cities, you know, that are buried under the sea. But I think with today's technology, we're going to be finding in the next year or two even more buried uh uh, cities under the sea, you know, and just uh, and as you, you're in California, you're going to find out that you know with your drought, my instinct says you should be over it in about another. I'm not sure if it's six weeks or six months, but you're going to be getting uh-huh. on terrain. So you know, it, means, it has this been is great. better because California is beautiful with rain. I mean, we're like paradise over here, but no rain. You know, it's, we're scared it's turning into the desert. But if we had Rain, there's no more beautiful place to live, really. It's it's gorgeous, you know. But, uh, okay, so this is bringing us to predictions. So you have been, your predictions have been published. You just appeared in the Examiner newspaper. And what were some of your uh, predictions, if you would like well, to share with us? Sure. One of them is I, I am concerned about Bill Clinton's health. And, there's a reason for it. I mean, psychically or not, I, I sometimes like to, you know, because I think people should be able to do what I do. In looking at him, he has a lot of fat pads under his eyes, which generally is, some, to me, uh, at least 
or maybe to doctors also, that represents he has some sort of heart problem, which he did. And those pads under his eyes are getting worse. And my instinct says probably within before the end of the year that uh, I just, I never say, you know, I just see him being ill. But one of the predictions had to do with Hillary Clinton. Everybody thinks that she is the front runner, which at the moment she is. But the dark horse is Jim Webb or James Webb. He was, I think, the senator from uh, West Virginia or Virginia. And he's going to come up in the polls. And then, of course, when you have the Republican Party. What? I said interesting. I know. That was really, I, I I just see for some reason, I just don't see Hillary Clinton in the presidency. Uh, there is, or something is blocking that vision. By the same token, it's very difficult to, on the Republican side. You have uh, the Bush. I'm not sure, you know, he's up and coming, in, you know, in the poll. He's not the greatest, what everyone wants. It's a very difficult decision, but I, for some, I don't know why I don't see Clinton. That's the part that concerns me. On that, at least on that prediction, I know I had mentioned, you know, more tsunamis, and for a fact, I see that happening most probably even sooner than what I thought. So we're basically now in the month uh, month of March. So I'm going to say over the summer, we're going to have it's either Tokyo, Indonesia, uh, but part of that panhandle, there's going to be another tsunami, a really devastating one, as well as a devastating one, which I didn't put in the predictions, in Mexico. But that's something I see. But at least we had talked earlier that I did see world peace, you know, starting to emerge. So... And that is about three years from now. But let me hear what you want to know about. That's amazing. So uh, what I want to know is about will there be a cure or do we have a cure for cancer? We actually do. Believe it or not, you know, I know this sounds incredible, but some of the tumors that people have, they're using an aspirin-based uh, formula now, you know, and that's what the ancients used to use to treat. Uh, I'm talking about the Egyptians. They used aspirin or, or derivative aspirin to treat tumors. There is many new things coming on the market within the next year or two. So the answer is, is there a cure for t- uh, cancer? Let's just say to put cancer in remission, I would say right now if we were let's say 100% not being able to cure it, in a year we would be close to about 30%, meaning that uh, the chances are much you know, much better if you could develop cancer today. And probably in five to seven years, we would be able to totally put any cancer in remission. But within the next uh, 12 months, there's new meds coming up uh, that will actually help uh uh, there's one uh, ovarian cancer is one of them, and they're working on something now that hasn't been published. But uh, sometimes I happen to look at things that you know people don't get to see from friends of mine, but uh, in the medical field. But there is something coming up uh, right now. So the answer is yes. Yes. Yay. Good. I'm uh, very concerned about that, and that uh, I do hope that uh, the toxic chemicals, I joined a nonprofit about uh, toxic chemicals and the concern of their use and how 
many things are probably caused by toxic chemical chemicals, including Parkinson's. Is that a friend well, that, that has is that? True. Yeah, well, they just there was just a quick thing that went through about 36 million bees dying because they planted the uh, uh, that GMO corn, and this poor beekeeper lost uh, and the ones around him, I think, 600 hives, 36 million bees because the bees, you know, you know, ingested the pesticides that were supposedly safe. And they feel now that's what's killing off the bee colony. So, you know, yes, we need clean food, clean energy, but believe it or not, taking an aspirin a day could help keep the doctor away. I do do that. So I have the same feeling about that, so I do do it, and uh, things are getting much better for me. And uh, we can't advise anybody, but ask your doctor, and I'm sure it's, it's a good not, it's, they're showing, you know, people, they're putting people on stuff right away because it's making a dramatic effect. And I think what it's helping with is also the blood clotting. So that happens oh, within your heart and your, your head, yeah. So it's a and simple it, little thing and cheap, cheap, cheap. And I always tell, you know, everyone, my friends who are flying, take an aspirin or, or something before you, you know, take a flight, you know, coming, you know, and then take one coming home. As a precautionary measure, uh, that's something, you know, you could always ask your doctor, to, you know, about. But, you know, if you always, you know, if you always, if you have concerns and you're flying that often, ask your doctor if that's a good thing to do. But I'm going to tell you, the real miracle cure is in aspirin and bufferin. And that's what they're going to discover. It's so, it's so uh, interesting because I always keep a bottle of aspirin around. I think that... It's uh, it's really necessary. It's cheap, and uh, you know I think it's a it's a savior, really. I I do it. I think I asked one day, but I'm not telling anybody else to do it. I'm just saying I do it. Just go to your doctor. <laughs> but what we can I tell told my doctor is, <laughs> yes. is to put lavender, you know, like a lavender sachet or like lavender oil on their pillow to go to sleep at night if they have trouble sleeping. The holistic. Uh, you know, alternative medicine and being holistic really does work, you know, for a lot of people. It's not something that you have to believe in uh, because the even the smell of something can put you like vanilla cookies or someone baking apple pie. Mm-hmm. It brings you back to your childhood, which then when you get back there, it releases some sort of brain chemical. And, you know, you feel good. And that's why they say, you know, put a lavender sachet under your pillow or things like that. I so totally agree with lavender? you. I think, you know, I I love lavender, and I'm using Love's Blessings right now. Uh, you know, Marilyn Salas is Captain Robert Salas' wife. And do you know who he is with the Montana Missile Range and all that? No, but I wrote it down new, when I heard you. Yeah. Because I said, yeah. that is very interesting. It is, and she's out of Ojai, so they do this meditation, they do the crystals and all that, and plus she's a beautiful person. And uh, I pick that up, about, and I usually yeah, don't write something about. down, but this one I did, I said, boy, this sounds really interesting, what she's I know, doing. So it's so beautiful that uh, she would think that to meditate and pray over this and then send it out to people, it smells real good, and you're right about the lavender. So I'm really craving lavender bushes and stuff like that. 
to be near my house. So hopefully I get that going this summer. So we do have a question oh, I, from the gallery. Do you, do you want to answer? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. So, because we're like halfway through, we just we're we just uh, made it past our first hour, and this is this is rolling fast. So uh, let's see. She's asking. Thanks, uh, Anne. Did Atlantis really exist? What is your opinion on that? Wait, does what it really exist? Did Atlantis exist? You know, because oh. we were talking about the underground cities. Do you think Atlantis? Uh, yes, I, I I honestly believe Atlantis exists. I honestly believe that it is buried under the sea, as they just found a buried city only within the last, I think, three or four uh, week, uh, three or four weeks ago, and that was in I think. Uh, off the coast of Greece, actually even not that far off the coast of Greece. So the answer to that is 100% yes. There really was a flourishing situ- uh, uh, civilization, and if if you ask me if I believe in UFOs, I have to say even doubly yes, because there's no way could anybody uh, 40, 50 years ago, even 60 or 70, make up and then go back a thousand to two thousand years ago, make up uh, flying uh, saucer-type images, unless they saw something. Yeah, and uh, it was an advanced civilization. I believe that. I believe that, you know, in a co- you know why I, I do believe that a lot of, of uh, we're talking about lost civilizations and everything else, I think it's a very simple thing is that we forgot about them and they got covered up. It's like that. It's that simple. Because you know how much you forget in one, two generations. You know, who are our great-great-grandparents? You know what I mean? I never you know, I know what my, you're saying. I know my grandma. I don't know my great-grandmother's name, you know, on my Greek side. I do know it on the Scottish side, but I don't know it on the other side. So I was thinking, well, what about her? <laughs> so, you know, I think like that. Like, uh, we just forget a lot. We forget within a couple of generations, it's over. Okay, well, I have one for you. We know that we could trace our DNA back to, uh, let's say, uh, back to, you know, let's say in my case, back to the Judeo-Christian times. Fine, you know, to say that I belong to this tribe or that tribe, right? Mm -hmm. But now you have a fossil, an old uh, fossil, maybe 35, you know, million years old. And... Well, obviously, the good news is, see, I don't believe I came from an ape. I truly believe I came from, you know, an alien, you know, somehow, that Mm -hmm. I'm a descendant of whatever. So if this is as far back as we can trace where I came from, right, back to, you know, before, let's say, even a little bit before the time of Jesus Christ, then for sure, and you can't go back any further, for sure something happened during that time, and it was, as far as I'm concerned, we were visited by aliens a little, you know, obviously before then, but that was my theory of evolution. Yes, I, I do have many uh, friends that do believe that, and I just don't know. I don't I don't know yet. I know we're being visited by aliens. I'm not quite sure why, except that it has something to do with DNA and that, uh, you know, someday I'll find out. You know, but I don't. But I don't know why right now. I'm just on the the side of will they leave me alone? That's that's what I feel about it. So you know, it's uh, 
it's uh, I'm mad at them, and we're gonna stay mad at them for a while. <laughs> anyway, uh, the okay, let's talk about uh, you are a psychic, and you also uh, Wiccan, and considered a white witch. So I want you to tell us about that. That in uh, the as the modern world has come, and what is a white witch in this modern world? Well, it's it's silly to put on a label in terms of. Uh, I think what's happening is that, well, basically, religion is very important to me. Believe it or not, everyone else is but the one I came from. Uh, uh, And the reason being that I find all religions to be fascinating in their beliefs, their rituals, and whatever. But I always say, except mine, because, you know, I grew up, believe it or not, in a very ultra-Orthodox Jewish household, uh, except we were a little bit more flamboyant because, uh, remember, we were able, you know, my parents and grandparents were, you know, they were able to tell, you know, fortunes and so on. But with the religious doctrine, it was harder because I wanted to be free. I didn't want someone telling me who God was or what, you know, supposedly. I wanted to find out for myself. And I found out uh, when I was very, very young for some reason, uh, had an attraction towards, you know, witches and, you know, storybook, you know, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost or Witch Hazel and comic books. Uh, but there was always era. What I found even with Witch Hazel is that there was a love of people, love of nature, love of humanity. And as I started to read books, uh, and there weren't many written about, you know, witchcraft and Wiccan paganism, I... The books that I did read showed me that this was a type of religion that would fit me because, one, you're really free, and you're you're just a free person to believe what you want, and that the people in the group, there's no one saying you're right or you're wrong. We're all on the same journey, the same path of learning. Yes, there are some rituals, but you have the option of, you know, following a ritual or even making up your own ritual that works. So it's basically a uh, being a, it's not really a white witch. It's just being, let's just say, uh, someone who just believes in Wiccan, you know, philosophy. And I'm sure your religion was kind of hard because it was so strict, you know, and conforming, and, you know, you had to go to church and things like that. But many of the people that are, you know, believers, you know, in Wicker, uh, are from the Catholic Church, where they found it was too rigid, and they were looking for the same thing that I'm looking for, being able to believe in something, you know, uh, gods, goddesses, or whatever. Uh, You know, my apartment is filled with Buddhist statues, which I happen to love because they're so serene. But uh, basically, that's what it is. It's nothing mysterious, nothing frightening. There is no uh, devil. There is no um, going out, you know, naked in the middle of the night. It is a peace-loving, earth-loving, very caring community where people reach out to one another and help one another. And it doesn't make a difference who you are, what you are, what you will become. Everyone's there for you. And, you know, that's to me unusual. Well, that's what I find with my Wiccan friends, because I have a lot of friends from every different belief system and walk of life, is that they're very much into healing and, 
nature and uh, things like that. And uh, I, you brought up that I personally was uh, brought up Greek Orthodox, but uh, we had traveled so much as a child, and I had very early experiences of direct experiences with God. So I never had to even uh, think, oh, is there a God, because I was experiencing uh, divine interventions and things like that. And uh, since I was so little, so I always had a personal relationship with God. And what? Uh, so my parents, who really weren't all that thrilled about the church, would not take me to church. And, oh, you were uh, lucky. <laughs> yeah, so they weren't taking. So I, but I would know. But what happened was I took myself because I wanted to be around God-like things, and I rarely could find a Greek Orthodox church. And we moved so much. I mean, I went to like 19 different elementary schools along, and uh, we wow. moved and moved, and sometimes two, three times in a month. So I was like scrambled. But anyway, uh, the what I found is that I, I really did like a ritual. I liked uh, serving God or being around anything. Uh, that was holy, and I felt that it was my duty to show up there somewhere Sunday. So I ended up at Cambodian churches, Catholic churches. Oh, you did? Baptist churches. I mean, I was everywhere. I was at the tent churches. I was just everywhere. And uh, my parents, I wonder now, they're like, what were they thinking about me? <laughs> this is a weird kid. <laughs> anyway. No, but, but I mean, because like. Well, I consider myself a Christian mystic, though. So, you know, I, I, I do... Uh, identify as being a Greek Orthodox Christian, which is just a Christian uh, from the Greek Greek Church, and that goes along with it would be Coptic or, or Armenian Orthodox. You know, it's like a, it's a more of a cultural mixed-in thing, and uh, uh, it's a it's beautiful ritual and pretty rigid. You know, so I'm like operating within like a divine intervention type. So some of uh, my my spiritual experiences would not be accepted probably in the church. So at this point, I don't care. Let's put it that way. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing and, uh, you know what I mean, ask for prayers and pray and study and do what I do, you know, and keep going. You know, and nobody and can stop me. And if you're like me, do you believe that prayer works? Yes. I, I know that here. it works. Because I've asked for prayer, you know, some horrible things happened in the, in the, you know, a few years ago. They happened like two big things happened. I was so, see, then once you know that God does exist, you can't really, what are you going to do about it? You know, you can't say, oh, I don't believe. So what I did was have people pray for me. I said, because I'm not talking to him. You know, with friends like him, I don't need enemies. I was like that, very uh, disappointed and hurt. And then it took time, but I got through it, you know, and so I had to go through a certain grief process, you know, before I understood, you know, that it all fits and, you know, it's, um, anyway. So do you, do you believe that you were preordained and uh, chosen for this? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, okay, tell me. I, I, I just, I, I just can't see that. I just, however... Do I believe? No. I, I just believe that something is guiding me to do what I'm doing. I have no idea, and I never questioned it. But by the same token, oh, this is a toughie. That was 
probably one of the most interesting questions, and I knew when I saw your photo you would be good like this, <laughs> and I didn't realize how good you would be, but uh, okay. you really are good. <laughs> now you stump me. Dang it. <laughs> the, I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. Oh, this is a tough one. If, if to say, if I was to say I was preordained or destined uh, to do this, that would mean I would have a power far, far greater than anyone else. And, and for sure, uh, that's not who I am. And, and I never want to be that. Uh, I just believe that wherever my journey is taking me, I don't know you know, where the road is going, I, but I do know that there's an ending somewhere along the way, but I don't know who's guiding me along that road. Uh, if I could take others with me, you know, by helping to empower them and inspire them, that would be fantastic because we could all be on the same journey, simply meaning that dead-end job. And I could say to you, heck, why do you want to why don't you move on? You have talent, meaning that if you went to another job, look what you, you know, look how much more you can get out of it. And that if you would only believe and take the chance and do it. And if that's the case and a person did that and believed enough to get out of the one job and go to the next where they're fulfilled, then I believe, you know, I have done my job and I've done it well. But that's not a power. That's sort of kind of just nudging someone and influencing them that, hey, you can do it. And that's what it's all about. It's really about encouragement. So, no, I don't think I was preordained to do this. Help people, absolutely, but not preordained. Thank you. Thank you for answering that difficult question. I didn't know it was difficult. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> well, I let me, let's put it back on <laughs> you. Do you think oh, no. you were preordained to do this radio show? Yeah. Or the, even the Bible thing. And if so, why? Yes. Okay, why? this is very odd. Is that, okay, when I, I am 62 now. Um, when I turned 60, I was at the end of a road. I've been married 27 years. And my marriage was ended. Uh, we lost our house. My husband quit paying the mortgage payments. Really destroyed any future that I could see happening. And I actually could not see a future anymore. And it was very odd to stare ahead. And where I've always had like these goals and excitement, you know, about what's next. And in my marriage, there I could see nothing ahead. And it was Did very. Did you use horrible. the red light, green light? No. You no, I didn't know it then. See, I needed you right then. I would have had <laughs> right. a big whatever kind of light experience, and I, I'm using it from now on, though. So if I would have known you, I would have used it, but I, I was floundering out there. So anyway, so I was actually out in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, looking for, uh, you know, uh, going to the UFO thing or whatever. And anyway, I was at a table with uh to help Yvonne Smith, she's selling her uh books and stuff like that. So I was there meeting all these different people. And people didn't realize I was having midlife crisis like right there in Roswell, which is so odd because Albuquerque is where coming from New York, coming because I used to live upstate New York in Poughkeepsie. And I was born oh, sure, in Boston, I know that. So I'm I'm just coming from, you know, where you're from. Anyway, uh so I lived right along the Hudson, and I had a beautiful childhood there because of that, that Hudson and the woods and all that, you know. 
But I was having a, a major crash because what I thought was my future was no longer my future. And uh, the same thing is really odd because when I was coming from California, when I was thir- I turned 13 in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the two bizarre things happened to me in New Mexico, and I've only just passed through or visited like that. You know, I've never lived there, but I turned 13 in New Mexico on the way here from in, in July, coming to uh, California. And then I, when I was 60, I had this this horrible crash, in psychic crash. You know, where inside mm-hmm. yourself. You know, it's, it's dead ahead. You know, it's, it's over. So it was horrible. So by the time I got back to California, like three days later, you know, it was horrible. I had to shuffle the decks and get rid of uh, horrible people in my life and all sort of stuff. So I just started wiping the decks out. And um, what happened is that I realized that I was at a turning point and that uh, this is what happened. So I was interviewed, uh, I'm writing a book, you know, the never-ending book that I never end. I never I never finish it. So anyway, <laughs> I was writing a book, and these people wanted to interview me, and they really disrespected me on the air. It was like, really, they were blase, and I felt offended, you know what I mean? It was my first interview, and I was all excited, and I had a big old huge following that followed me over, you know, so it was a big deal. And I was really let down. So within a week, I thought, I can do better than them. Because, you know, treat me bad or disrespect me, and I'm sure going to try to figure it out. And that's a gaunt- that's throwing down the gauntlet to me. You know what I mean? It always has Absolutely. a gauntlet. On that one, okay. yes. Yes. Underestimate me, look out. So anyway, so within a week, I started my own show with my cousin. I mean, she didn't, I thought she she's the trained card reader. And, and and person of the family and psychic and all this and she's like from our our, our nana, you know we had the same grandma and uh, our grandmother was psychic like that so I thought I was going to do something like that, you know what I mean? And uh, what happened is that she never would do it, so I just started the show on my own and it's got so it blew up. I, I don't know what happened. So that's how I, that's that's the fate that ended me and now. Their future is so grand that I have so many ideas, so much enthusiasm, more goals, and it's just it's so much fun. It's brought me to talk to people like you, and you know nothing can be better than me. Then I realized because I asked my friends, how can I do this? I I couldn't find a mentor, I couldn't find anybody to help me, and I asked, but I kept being rejected for some odd reason. I don't know. It was, that's probably fake too. So I had to go take classes on YouTube, and, you know, I called the Blog Talk Radio, and they they were training me one-on-one, and I got through it. And what happened is I have a fantastic and fabulous respect for authors. You know what I mean? Anybody, so that's why I care about you, and that's why, because I'm just doing what I really felt in my heart, is that I really care about people, care about authors and artists, and I'm an artist too. I will be an author if I ever get this book done, you know, which is probably done now, but I just don't know how to stop it or start it or whatever. But but anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a fantastic thing. So I feel like it was fated for me. It was almost like my higher power said, yes, that road is dead. That door is empty. That's, you know, everything. It's like everybody moved and I'm still knocking at the door. You know what I mean? And I went, now I went to this new life. So... It was hard. I have, you know, stage fright. I have, you know, all kinds of glitches, you know, and for some reason I'm just doing it and I keep persevering. Perseverance helps. Not getting up. Well, that's up. an important... Well, okay, 
Do you, what I'm picking up basically about you is that, one, believe it or not, you are slightly competitive, but not with people, with yourself. <laughs> with my, you are, you, you got it right on the head. Yeah, I know. I it's not with people, believe me, because you're too, that's not, uh, it's not your thing. But uh, for sure, with yourself, yes. Now, if someone tells you that you can't do something, you're going to do it. Uh, right. Because you, you, it, it is who you are. It's in your makeup. Now, did you get to where you are today because you were guided into this position, or what I'm picking up is basically, and you maybe you're not there yet to know it. You visualized yourself to be where you are right now here today, and then you have another visualization of where you want to be in one to two years from now, which you'll accomplish. Because you have another yeah. goal in mind. You know, you talk yeah. about being an artist. Well, most people that are psychic uh, do have art. You know, I used to be a musician, but there is a artistic bent to being psychic. Because I is it is it you do you paint or yeah you know, or that's what I picked up. Yeah, because I'm doing nothing. All right, so, I'm working it there. So if you're doing painting, and this goes for your listeners or the people you know out there that also, let's say, are musically inclined, you have an ability that's different than other people. You know, they say there's a left brain uh, side and a right brain side, and it's true. Some people are very logical, and you know, I'm half logical when it comes to the unexplained. I, I try to explain it because. There has to be a reason in my in the way I am, you know, for everything. And when there isn't a reason, I try to, I'm not going to say make up one, but I, I try to, you know, find an answer. But being an artist or being musically inclined, one with music, A, you hear sound. Now, when people meditate, and I have a suspicion you have, and I have a suspicion yeah. you probably chanted, and now I know nothing about you, because, and you know that because I can't find this out on the Internet. It's not as right. if, if I Google you, it will say that, yes, I chant, you know, at 9 in the morning or that, uh, you know, I draw uh, pictures, you know, of basically animals or ponies or whatever or faces, which I think you have a liking for. But nevertheless, am I right? Faces, yeah. Now, yeah, I know. But, again, the reason I picked up faces is because... We had talked about this earlier in the show. You were able to read the faces of your parents. So, you see, that's being logical when someone would think it's being psychic. But I just knew that that was where you would have to go. It's, but if I told you that you would be great if you did sculpture with clay, that's an area you probably never thought of that you should think of because it's using now your hand and mind. Yes, I've only done one sculpture, and I derived extreme amount of pleasure from doing it, so I should do that more, really, get into that. Yes, and that's what I, you know, want but you I'm to listen. I'm not You don't have to be. You you have a talent, and it's a oh, question of, it's, it's a question of do you want to pursue it, or do you want to do it because it relaxes you and it's a creation? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. as if, you know... Uh, I'm blunt, you know. It's it's like we're not on, you know, regular radio. So it's almost like having oh, you know, an orgasm. 
So because it's a completion of something. And well, it's a with state your of art bliss, work, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I say I'm not sure what you could say anymore on radio, but things have changed since the time. You know, I watched tube TV, where they only had three channels, and it was two. I think four. Yeah, and I seven. remember. That's what I remember. Yeah, but, so, but you remember it? That, that, yeah, or the radio cool. that had the you big know, dials. Now we have you know 700, and, and you know you can't hardly find anything to watch. So. <laughs> Everybody watched the same thing. That's what was so great about it, you know. And what I did watch was the old uh, uh, sci-fi One Step Beyond. I'll never forget that man's voice in the music. Do you remember One Step Beyond? You bet you I do. In the Twilight yeah. Zone? Sure yeah, I do. Yeah, they're just... And they, uh, along with Star Trek and everything else, were very prophetic and... Uh, to think that, you know, oh, just uh, rest in peace, uh, Leonard Nimoy. We just want to say goodbye. Yes. Oh, yes. Mrs. Bob. And uh, we just uh, pray for his family and uh, God bless him. And I know he's in a better place. What an amazing man he is. He's one of the Renaissance men, too, you know. It sounds like that's what you are. You're like a Renaissance woman. You're into everything, you know. And you're very That's curiosity. Well, curiosity Mm -hmm. is one of the most important things that everyone who's listening should start doing by reading. In other words, if you're used to reading romantic novels, go outside the box. Read something science fiction. Uh, Don't limit yourself to what you know, because the world is endless. There are so many things out there you don't know. Once you learn one thing, it opens the door to learning other things. And uh, actually... I could have one minute. What I'd like to do is just quickly teach your listeners again one other thing to help them become more psychic for one second. Because it just, I get flashes and I have a suspicion. Well, we don't have a call in show, do we, where people are calling in tonight? They, they could call in if they want. Have you ever had it where they did call in? Yes. I would, you know, uh, do you want them to call in? Yeah, let's hear what they have to say. Okay, yeah. call in number 619 If you'd like to call in and speak with our guest, Sean's available right now, so please call in, 619-924-9744. Uh, you can go ahead now away from the call in. Because sometimes they're shy and they don't want to talk on the phone. You see, that's the, that's the horrible thing. If they would get over their shyness and just do it, you know, that would be a, a, make a major break in their life, a stepping stone, just to make that call. And then there's yes. other people who, but, and if it doesn't ring, it doesn't ring. But while we're sort of waiting, or oh, maybe we'll get a ghost that's calling in. But I have a suspicion Why? that phone is ringing. Okay. Uh, what about, uh, uh, well, since we're talking about that, about ghosts and things like that, do you have, or, or do you consider yourself a medium, and if so, do you have a spirit that you talk to? Okay. When I was younger, and I'm in several books by the noted ghost hunter Hans Holzer, and Hans trained me to become a medium, and he would put me in a state of hypnosis, and what would happen is that. He would say, you know, to go back, you know, you know, go back ten, nine, eight, seven, six, and whatever, 
And we would do this in a house, at least in New York City, uh, and some others that were you know, outside the city, to see if I would be able to pick up on the spirits of people. But again, see, I always question, even at the younger age working with Hans, was I really picking up on a ghost or not? But mm-hmm. I want to hold that because there is one thing that will send shivers up and down your spine, because I told you I'm both a skeptic and a believer. So when I was mm-hmm. a musician, and this was in my 20s, and we were in upstate, believe it or not, New York, you know, where you lived. We yeah. were doing a gig, and we were in these old hotels. Now, we're talking about a long time ago, about 50 years ago, I think. What happened is that I decided, because I was into all of this, obviously, from my parents, and so it wasn't unusual, I said, do you want to have a seance? And we did. So it was an all-girl band, so... There was the four of us in a room, in this old hotel room, and it was a one-story hotel. We were on the end unit. And I was curious, is it possible that you could pick two ghost physics or spirits? <clears throat> so I asked, you know, if anyone is there, you know, to please knock. We shut off the lights. You know, knock once, yes, knock twice. You know, no. And within probably three minutes, we got a knock back. Everybody was scared, including me, because I didn't expect it. But the interesting thing is the knocks went on because now we did the alphabet. You know, is your are you, your letters from A to, you know, E or something, knock once. So that helped, you know, do the alphabet quickly. And it spelled out the name Roger. Okay, you, whether you believe this story or not, I believe it because I was there and the other girls in the band were there. It named the name just Roger, and then it stopped. Well, we thought somebody, you know, was from the next room was doing this, except for one thing. There was no one in the next room, and we had the end room. But being curious, I went and asked the manager the next day, does the name Roger mean anything, you know, to him? I said, I didn't say, why does it mean anything? But I said, did a Roger, I think I said, ever work here? And he said there was a Roger, you know, that worked, you know, in... I call, you know, a hotel or a motel. I I guess it's a motel back then. And he said that man died, and uh, unfortunately he was killed. Uh, That's all he needed to hear. And I didn't ask where he was killed because I knew that I had to go back to that room with the girls and sleep in it at night. But that was my first really big experience where I could say I couldn't explain it. Then I went into the, you know, haunted houses throughout my life with Hans Holzer to see, you know, could I see anything, was anything there? But I am not sure because I question everything. Am I picking up, although I really can't say I saw a ghost uh, or maybe a shadow, I question was it imaginary or not. I did feel something and I was able to say, yes, this house, you know, there is someone here. I was able to describe the occupant, uh, my friend who's doing a story, which I cannot reveal what I do know until the book comes out about the bell, which, but I can tell you, you know, that ghostly story exists. Uh, One that's documented on film was the house on Gay Street in Greenwich Village where they were filming uh, for Channel 2 News at that time. I think it was in search of. 
that I picked up that the house was used by bootleggers in the bottom uh, part of the basement. There were hidden rooms, and it turned out that was true, as well as I think there was a murder in, in that house. But was I picking up a ghost and someone there, or was it mm-hmm. something in the air, you know, like a time portal that you can't see? So, yes, I believe in ghosts, and I truly believe that some they have a message, or when someone dies, when someone says, gee, I saw the spirit, you know, with my mom or my dad or my sister or brother, they honestly have seen something. I just don't believe we die. Our spirit lives on. I don't, I, we do live on. Now we're getting our, our calls in, so we're going to take the, the first call. You ready? Are you ready, Miss? Sean? Sean? Now I'm right here listening, waiting for the call. Okay. All right. Hold on. Okay. Hi, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred. You're live. Can I have your first name, please? Suzanne? Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Yeah, Susie. Susie. Do you have a question? Okay, do you have a question for Sean, please? Well, I'm curious. I have two adopted brothers and sisters. Uh, well, they're my birth birth siblings, but I've never met them because I'm adopted. And I'm curious if you could pick up any information about them or my birth birth father or birth mother. Well, th- that's a tough one. But what I can say is that, well, interesting. How old are you now? 48. I'm curious. When you were about, oh, you see, you may ask one question. And I may pick up something else that's very relevant and important to you. So I'm going to go backwards. When you were about 36 to 38, I never say death, but I will say this. During that time period, did you move or was someone very ill close to you, including yourself? Yes. Okay, then when you were 21 to 23, uh, right around that time period, Right then, and this is extraordinary, something happened to you right at that age that changed the course of your life. But again, it it could have been a move, it could have been a marriage, but something right then took place in your life. Try to go back. Don't straighten See, I think that age, 21 to 23, is when something happened where you were sort of near, near your, your birth parents or your adopted uh, siblings or, or someone. So where you were living at that age, it's interesting, is where I see, how do I say it, where you were born or whatever, or that area is very, very important to you right at that age. But as mm-hmm. for finding, you know, your birth parents or when you will do it, I'm very straightforward. I don't pick up. That doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means that some psychics can read for people, and they're great. And when another psychic, you know, when you can't, it has always been my belief when I used to give readings to say the truth, that I'm not in tune with you. Sure, I might have picked up that event at that age because it stands out in your mind and I'm picking it up. But it doesn't mean that you don't have a future, nor does it mean that 
you won't find out the answers that you're, you know, searching for. But I just feel that 21 to 23 years old, wherever you were at that time, you were very close to finding out uh, some answers. So hopefully, you know, that helped us, you know, somewhat. Okay. Do you uh, have any inkling, any notion on what her main name may have been? Well, here's a toughie, you know, and this is, and we're all going to learn tonight from this experience. If I was to give out an initial, right, and that initial is wrong, you're going to be sent on a uh, a mission to nowhere. So when a psychic is really being honest and telling you that they don't pick up, well, you know, follow that rule. You know, the only thing I'm picking up is 21 to 23, something important around that period related to this. That's all I can pick up. But I thank you for calling. And I wish you the best. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Susie. Bye-bye. Thanks, sir. Okay, bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. Bye, Susie. Okay, Okay, so we have our next caller. Are you wanting another caller, too? Sure, we'll take another okay. call or two. Okay. All right. Hi, you're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Welcome to the show. What's your first name, please? Hi, I'm Jessica. Hi, Hi Jessica. Jessica. How are you guys? For our guest, good. Having a beautiful night, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was actually my grandmother. She passed away a couple years ago, and um. It's just like I've, you know, sometimes I feel like she's around. Sometimes my mom feels like she's around. I guess I was just wondering if maybe you could pick up on her essence or her spirit and maybe see if she is around or if she has any messages that she wants to give us. Okay, I think this will help you. See, I'm a different type of, you know, uh, paranormal, psychic or whatever. The answer to the question is yes, and how do I know? Very simply, your mom, right, and uh, or any family relative, you're very much connected to that person's DNA, and that DNA is in our blood. Meaning, uh, whether it's you know you're connected to your mom, you're connected to your pop, and if anything happened to them, sometimes you would know. Let's say you know if there was a passing, sometimes people feel that you know when a loved one dies because we're so interconnected by you know, the blood, you know, the blood types running through our body, you know, that signify, you know, we belong, you know, to that same group of people or, you know, parent or brother. The answer is yes, that person is around, and you honestly are picking this up. There's no doubt in my mind. And the reason that we have memories is to keep, you know, a loved one alive, Not, not to put them to sleep or say, you know, now rest in peace, well, that doesn't help us if they're resting in peace. We kind of want to really remember all the wonderful times and the lessons that they've taught us. So the answer is the person's spirit is still alive. And that's why some psychics uh, who can, you know, or mediums, you know, and basically get in touch with the other side. I'm 50-50, you know, on this, by the way. Because uh, to me, you cannot do a 24-7 uh, keep reading for dead people. It, it, there'd be no way, uh, and be a hundred percent right. But I truly believe 
that an individual like yourself or your mother or, you know, any family member can pick up the spirit of a loved one. Their essence is in the house. We call that psychometry even. When you t- have an object in your, you know, hand and you touch it, you're able to describe, you know, the person who owned it before. Well, you have to think that, you know, your grandmother, you know, grandpa, and you know, and other, you know, members that you're close with who have passed on, their essence is around you. And, again, we're linked by DNA. So the answer is yes. Does that help? Okay. But um, I think you yeah, have another yeah. more important question that is not related to, uh, you know, life and death. And what would yeah. that be? <laughs> That's so crazy. Well, now, now that you that. feel free, you know, and you're not afraid to talk <laughs> to me, which you That's were. That's so crazy. I can't believe you knew that. Um, well, which I part can't you having... believe, that you're, that you're on radio or the fact that you're no. actually doing it? <laughs> that you were correct. I can't believe that you knew I actually had a different question. Um, well, I knew the important I guess... one. We all do that. We, you know, we never tell what's the first thing on our mind. It's like, let, yeah. me, just, let me get over my nervousness that I'm sense you're feeling, <laughs> and there's no doubt. Yeah, um, the question about my grandma was more for my mother, but I have a question for me. That's the um, important one, I, although your mom's was just I, as important, too. Right, right. Um, I just, I've been going through a really stressful time, and I just want to know, is it going to pass? Like, is is am I going to reach what I am hoping to accomplish, I guess. Okay. Like in your career? Doing this. No, it's, I'm having a very, very difficult time in my relationship. Oh, Lord. Okay, go ahead. Well, all right. I'm then not, basically not. you have answered your own question. Ready? If you went to a psychic, there's only so many things a psychic could pick up on, you know, life, death, uh change of jobs, relationships, um, we can't really, well, we can do, well, I can do plane crashes, but there's not much, you know, there's only a certain amount of things that happen to us. You answered your own question, one, you've got the nerve to finally say, hey, I'm having problems in my relationship, right? Because you're the real psychic right now, not us tonight on the radio, you. You said, I'm having problems. You don't know where it's going or what's going to happen. But if you were secure in your relationship, you wouldn't be asking these questions. So I have a question for you. Okay. Being that you're not sure, right, what's keeping you in it, you know, from, you know what's keeping you, you know, from not moving on? What's your greatest fear? We have a two-year-old son together. I don't want to break up our family. We have a son together. Aha. Uh-huh. But now think of it this way. If the son, and remember, when you're young, you're psychic, we pick up things that's happened to us tonight. Why would you put your son in that position? I mean, they say that you need, you know, mother and father. Single parents do very well. So your son is going to pick up things. Why do you want him to subject him to the fact that it's not a good relationship. I don't. That's we're trying therapy, and we're trying to fix it. It's just so hard. I feel like I'm the only one trying. Hmm. Yeah. Do you agree with her about that? I agree that how, she, she okay. is the only one now, trying. Um, she's, yeah, I do too, because how old is he? He seems young to me. We're both young. I'm 23, and he's 23. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's real young, so his brains actually haven't fully developed yet. <laughs> and he's being a jackass. I mean, that's why I don't like to talk about relationships. He's being a, a jackass because he's just a stupid kid. You know what I mean? You women develop earlier and have their brains together earlier, so you're feeling the repercussions and you're seeing in the future. You don't want your son to grow up without his dad, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're concerned. So well, I think what our guest is telling you that uh, you might have to let go of him. And uh, But I would be, you know, this is a time to put on your, you know, your big woman uh, little panty things and uh, really just say, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a mother here. I've got to take care of my son. You know what I mean? And you've got to be wise, you know, and you've got to get your feminine wiles going, meaning... Leave him alone. Don't quit, nag- keep, quit nagging him. Don't keep telling him what to do. Lead by example. You know, you might just end up leaving him in the dust, but you know what I mean. Don't say, I just want to keep the family together. Just say, you know, I want to be the best parent I can be, and this is what I'm going to do for my son, because he's little, right? Oh, yeah, he's only two. Yeah, I was saying he was going to be, he's two. You know, so, uh, you know, he, he needs to get into involved in playtime with other kids and, you know, I know you want his father to guide him, but if he's being a jerk or if he's not stand, taking, you know, standing up to the responsibilities of a dad, you don't want your kid picking up on that either, you know? Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, you got to be brave, really. This is a time for courage, Jessica. And be but strong because she, she is what? courageous. She made the phone call under the oh, pretext of something else. So I give exactly. her Exactly. Yeah, for for coming out, you know, and expressing what she really hasn't really said to many people. Uh, maybe, but for t- tonight, what I'm picking up is the first time in a long time that she has been in touch with her own feelings. And I always believe that it's, you know, how do I say it, that somehow fate guided her to make that call tonight. Yeah. Okay, it, this it, is what's first. Yeah, it's, it is. This is what you're right. This is what Chris is saying in the chat room. Two souls going through intense emotional turmoil. It's a karmic relationship. Thus, the clairvoyant is able to reveal something of the past experiences that led to it. Like you guys probably had a past together if you believe in past lives, and so you're working it out now. And there's some kind of karmic thing you guys are working out. But you're so young, it's going to be really hard to figure it out. And it's very emotional right now, but what I'm trying to say is this is your time to be strong and don't be, like, dependent on him. You know what I mean? If you stand up on your own feet, don't be dependent, like, looking at him. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the leader. He's going to be the dad. You've got to stand up and be the mom. And then then he'll stand up watching you stand up. You've got to quit nagging him because he isn't listening to you. Now the tone of his voice is starting to turn off. The kids are going to do the same thing, unfortunately. The kids only listen to you so much, too. You know what I mean? you got a position yeah, of being wow. the mom. You're the mom, and that is not a good position because you do all the work, you get all the glories. You know what I mean? So I advise you to get strong now. You know, be happy now. Wow. Don't be miserable because he's making you miserable because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You can say that again. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't know anything. So just... You know, pray for him, love him, uh, you know, because I don't sense you guys breaking up over or right now. But what I'm saying is you've got to be strong and really happy. 
and start looking cute, you know, and then kind of not be a mean, but be uh, strong in yourself. Just be strong in yourself. Because you know, if you're looking to him Thank for you. answers, you're not going to find him. He he wants you to look up to him, but he's not giving you a reason to do it. You know, so you got to wow, lay off him. Don't nag him. In. Yeah, don't nag him anymore because he's feeling stupid as it is. He has a sense. He knows he's wrong, but he's so young that I'm telling you, he'll. You know, hopefully he'll grow out of this and won't stay like this. You know. Oh my God! I hope not. I hope he doesn't stay I like know. this. So that's why you got to get strong now and not look to him to do whatever. You know what I mean? Just you have to just stand on your own two feet. You, gotta, you have a son to raise. And, you know, be that, be the strong woman and uh, quit blaming him because he feels enough shame and blame and he feels like a stupid idiot because he knows he's too young, you know. Wow. What do you think about it? How does it feel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's what? crazy. No, it sounds... I, I don't know. It's... Huh? What I was going to say is that you actually answered something again. See, I look at things differently. When it was mentioned that you said you hope he will grow out of it, right? You said you hope. That means you knew, you know something in, internally or intuitively mm-hmm. that he might not grow out of it. So you have to listen to yourself and what you're saying. And... A person who's intuitive could maybe take it to the next level and say, well, she says, you know, I hope, you know, he'll grow out of it. And the psychic might say, well, you know, I don't really see that happening, you know, and then see everything else in the future. But that very word, I hope that he grows out of it, means you have doubts. You don't see it. You're psychic without knowing it. No, I Believe actually do know it. All the women in my family are clairvoyant. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm, okay. <laughs> you chose the right show to call tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to do a virtual seance. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a medium or a medium tell me that I was clairvoyant. I don't like to tell people that because I honestly don't feel that way, even though I do, you know, communicate. It's just I'm out of answers, so I thought I would call. You did. You, yeah, the you answer, did right by calling. You did. Thank the you. answer is within you yourself, so and you do have that power, Jessica. The power of a mother lion and the love of the child, and quit making him feel bad because he's a big dope. You know what I mean? Just to treat him as a twelve-year-old. I hate to say that. No, I you know men agree are with you. men are yeah men are really different than women. I think that's what women don't understand, especially a young woman. If I would have known that that these guys are like that. You know, I, I really, I, I unfortunately, I said to my best friend one time, you know, I gave that guy more credit than he was due. <laughs> it's like you put him on a pedestal because you want him to be something. He's something, mm-hmm. but he's barely something. He's just a baby right now. You know what I mean? He's, so he's do they grow up at all? Do they do they become men uh, eventually? Yeah, some he's, of them. I, uh, some of them do, but he's entering the hormone age. So his mind is just unfortunate or the testosterone, you know, is really going strong in him. That's how I see it. Uh, You know, the biggest problem is his priorities are very out of line, you know. It goes, you know, it goes weed and then his car and then me and Sammy, you know. I was just going to say that. He's really into the Game Boy. 
he probably a Game Boy, whatever the games are playing now. He's into that video game. He's into his car, and that is because that's where he's young in his head. You know, he's to me a twenty year old should be starting to snap out of it, but I don't see him snapping out of it till he's you know thirty. But that's why if you're strong and you're wise, you can make it this work. But you've got to be real strong and quit looking to him for the answers. You got to look within yourself and other women mentors that can mentor you through this. You know, strong women that are raising their families, you know, because many, many women have to raise kids on their own. And uh, you want to be happy, you know, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm raising my kid alone how it is now because he's not there to help. Yeah, but that yeah and he doesn't like want to be around either because he's guilty. So, well, this isn't an easy answer. Be strong, young mother. I agree with you. Isn't this fun? Because we are now both you and I are on the same level. You have you you were spot on with your answers with, with Jessica uh, in oh. your analysis. Yeah, but you also helped her because in the end result is helping someone really define their inner core. You just did that with her. I I, I was yeah. just sitting back and listening and couldn't believe what I was hearing. Wow. Thank you, Sean. Jessica, do you feel a little better? Yeah, I do, actually. Thank yeah, you. Just, just really feel stronger. You know what? You're going to start getting into groups so you have more support because you can't do this on your own. So if you have to join mommy groups, this kind of whatever the interest is, expand your support system because you need a lot of help. You know, and, Thank you. and there's no shame in asking for help. And just get to the groups wherever your area is. Mommy and me, whatever, I don't know what what the name is, but get get involved in everything. So it'll give him opportunity to see the world. I would tell my kids this, you know, I said, you know, I'm only one version of what you're going to see in this world. I'm not right about everything. You know, I'm one version. Go out and learn more. And they did, both of them. You know, I'm not all, all there is because I make mistakes. You know, we have a, like a limited point of view. You know, just create a gorgeous world for him and don't be scared. Just be strong. Okay, Jessica. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, God bless. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So uh, now, Sean, we have yes. to talk about your book. Oh, Wikipedia! That's totally sold out right now on <laughs> Amazon, and you can still get it at Barnes and Nobles, Waterside, and I just found out, believe it or not, Urban Outfitters. Uh, sells a Wikipedia. And the book is very simple. Part of it, the first half, is about Wicca and angels and reincarnation and spells. And the second part is basically how to tell your own future and gives examples, you know, whether it's pendulum or looking at a crystal ball. Uh, the fun thing that I like, uh, you know, and actually another quick ESP test. Remember those ESP cards? You know, Sharp, when yeah. you go back and, okay, you don't need them. All you have to do is have an Internet friend or a phone buddy, right? Ask the phone buddy to think of five numbers. That's all you have to do. You know, nothing major here. And let the person on the other side of the phone uh, write them down. Uh, let's see how we do this. The person on the other side of the phone writes down five numbers. 
Well, let's do it one through ten, but not, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do it in, you know, a random order, like seven, nine, you know, five, one, or whatever. Then you, meaning the uh, person on the other end of the phone, see if you can guess. Uh, that's why I said do it five. It's much easier. What order that person has put it in. In other words, let the person through the phone visualize you know, the numbers that they wrote down and see if you could pick up, uh, pick up the numbers. And it's so easy to do, but it also, when you're right, you'll get a feeling you're right. You know, let's say even if you get two numbers out of five, that's pretty good uh, in that order. Or if you get three out of five, and you can't do it all the time, but there's, you know, try it a few times. That increases your psychic skills. But, you know, part of this is in Wikipedia, the second part, like how to really enhance your ESB abilities. Do you believe that, you know, practice helps? You know, keep yes, practicing, tremendously. like practicing your craft, practicing anything. Oh, absolutely it helps. And the reason I know this, but first I want to give a shout-out tonight to all my Facebook friends that are listening that uh, I sent out all those notices to, uh, finally they could hear my voice instead of just seeing a photograph. And to all your listeners, Char, that it just is important to say hello to them, too. Um, yes. Yeah, because they, they really, you know, they must love you, to, you know, to tune in, and you've been on for such a long time doing this that you've developed a huge following, you know, of people. Yeah. It's, it it's a beautiful thing, too. I tell you. It feels yes. good, and, you know, your connection with, uh, you know, it goes worldwide, and uh, who would have who would have known that uh, how beautiful, you know, if you just stick your neck out and take a positive risk, that you don't know what will become of it, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I would have never met you, and uh, I feel uh, honored to have met you, and I want you guys to go out and get her book. You can get it easily, because since we're all going on Amazon, go on Amazon and get it. Uh, Urban Outfitters, that is so awesome. <laughs> they're they're selling it. I know. It's incredible. And I'm Barnes just, and Noble. Happy for you. And Barnes and Noble. Oh, thank it's, you. It's a and Barnes thing. and Nobles. Now, how can people contact you if they they want to get a hold of you? Because I know you're on Facebook. Uh, how well, can people get mean. a hold of you? Well, that's to the you best. Or help or? Uh, just through Facebook, believe it or not. Uh, I guess you know. I actually. I haven't determined which way I'm going yet in you know in my life direction besides writing books, but I'd be more than happy if you go on Facebook and friend me. That would be great. Yeah, because and then I you can find you know, out where her new stuff is. You what? Yes, and then you can find out more about Wikipedia and you know where to get it and so on. Right. Well, it's a very interesting book, and I just want to thank you so much for being on. You are just an awesome lady, and thank you for reaching out to me. And uh, let's do this again because uh, I want to hear some um, some of the predictions for next year. And uh, that's a deal. I see again. it. I see yeah, it. let's do it. That'd be cool. You got it. You know, and keep me in your positive intentions too. And uh, I promise, I'll uh, help each other. And I wish you a good night. And thank you so much for being on, Sean. Take care. You're welcome. Take okay, God bless. Take care. Bye bye. Okay, so. Wow, what a, a fascinating conversation. I only have like one minute left, and I just want to announce what's going on next week. Next week is actually, you know, this was our last show for the month of February, so we're going right into March with a storm. I have Gary Bobroff coming in, 
and uh, we're going to be talking about the, the the feminine archetypes and uh, a book that he wrote. And so he's a Jungian, and he has many interesting things to say along those lines. And he'll speak about Carl Jung and everything else. So that'll be incredible. And uh, then, let's see, I think that uh, we have a little bit of a public service announcement. Please, please go to Citizen Against Toxic Chemicals. To, to have the upgoing uh, medical and I- interesting information about all the toxic chemicals that are uh, in our uh, environment, and we know we're all upset about it, but we can do something about it. Go to www.parkinsonsinternational.org. It's a nonprofit, and we need to help them out over there. And uh, they're interested in preventing and making us aware of just what's happening with these toxic chemicals and what they're doing to us. Anyway, we'll see you next week in uh, same station, same time, next Friday. God bless you guys. Love you very much. That's it. Good night, all. Bye-bye.